0: Hey everybody, this is Being Brave with Amy Vernier, and today I have my amazing friend, Calliope Nikitas on to share her story, one of her many stories of being brave. Now, instead of like, trying to sum up everything that you do, um, I am going to let you introduce yourself and then dive right into a Being Brave experience that you'd like to talk about today.
1: Okay. All right, thank you so much for having me, Amy. You're right. um, It's kind of hard to sum me up. I'll just say that I'm microbiologist turned personal trainer, yoga teacher, managing a cleaning company, internal auditor, life coach, mind-body coach, and whatever it is that I am now, which is a worldwide phenomenon, like I wanted to say. Of course, yes. <laughs> where I've kind of woven all of that lifetime knowledge and experience into helping other people.
0: Well, I think it's actually, like I've had one of the same kind of challenges where I'm like, I've done all of these things and how can I categorize them and talk about them in like one way? And I haven't found a way, so I think, All of these experiences, and all of these different tools that you have are really meant to come together to be, you know, your unique way of showing up. And I'm so glad that you're willing to bring that wonderful uniqueness to the show today. So thank you. Thanks, Amy. So
1: you want me to start about a brave experience. And the one that comes to mind uh, is quitting my job that I would consider my last normal job. So when I say normal, it's what you consider a regular paycheck, a salary job, and working in an office. To Now, quitting my job, that was in early 2016, mm-hmm. that on paper did not make any sense. On paper, it looked like the most <laughs> insane decision a person could make. And I had debated in so many different ways what to do. The place that I was working at, my colleagues were amazing. You know, it was a small team, loved them. But the boss was super toxic. And I wasn't the only one suffering from the toxicity. And it's a trickle-down effect. Doesn't matter if the people that you work with every day to day are amazing. If, you know, the top-down isn't being run the right way you're going to deal with that so I was like okay now I already had developed lupus and lupus is for those who don't know an autoimmune disease basically your immune system gets confused and doesn't know that it should only attack viruses bacteria and foreign agents it decides that hmm maybe one of your organs would be a good idea to attack. So it just randomly attacks different organs and there are multiple painful, exhausting, horrific symptoms that go along with that. It's a chronic thing. <clears throat> and so it's actually how I ended up taking that job. I had taken that job because it was a you know, steady pay, something that was close to home, something that at the time was not supposed to have high number of responsibilities. I just wanted to get by, but, you know, but, you know, this is where you're like, oh, how much do I add in there? Say. As much as
0: you want, as much as you want. I think, well, that, I think that what a lot of people can can connect with is that like, you know, sometimes we do make compromises in the kinds of jobs that we take and, I mean, we can even extend it to relationships and things, but we'll just focus on jobs. Today, Mm -hmm. (laughs) today's topic, will focus on jobs. Um, But that, you know, oftentimes we find ourselves compromising, you know, for health, for, you know, our sanity, you know, we say, I'll take this job because, you know, like you said, it's not gonna be super stressful, I got the regular paycheck, like, all of these things feel like a sense of safety and security and then dun 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 more happens
1: yes it's exactly what you're saying it's exactly where i felt my circumstances dictated the number of choices i had or really the lack of choices i felt trapped i felt stuck and i felt stuck for a few years i kept trying to come up with okay what can i do what other job can i find Maybe I should, you know, job search and go to something else before I, I, you know, leave this. But what would I do? My health was uh, just getting worse. And I could barely make ends meet, you know, meeting my roles and responsibilities with that job. I was like, I don't know. I was asking everyone, my friends, my colleagues, my, you know, anybody you can imagine, here's my scenario. And when I would lay it all out, Almost unanimously, everybody would say, oh, yeah, you're right, <laughs> you're stuck. Or, yeah, I don't see anything, right? Because people are like, well, have you thought of this? Or have you thought of that? Be like, yes, I have, and here's right. what it looks like. Yes, I have. And so it makes it even harder when you see others agreeing with you, where you're like, see, it's not in my head. Even people I respect are telling me, you're in a tough position you basically don't have many choices
0: well let me ask you a question prior to having um the diagnosis of lupus and prior to deciding to take this you know what you thought would be like an easy you know job that helped you meet your needs. what what were other jobs like how did you approach you know other jobs in the past i'm just curious because i know that it can. It can take, depending upon how you approach life of the world, work, relationships, all of these things, like choosing a job that is, you know, maybe a compromise, like looks a lot different for different people, depending upon how you see work. I'm curious, up until this kind of like sequence of events that gave you this, this, you know, compromising job, compromising... Ooh kind of a pun on on many levels um what was it like prior to that in work
1: so i had never well yeah my job was you know i worked in a lab as um as a researcher microbiology researcher then i became a personal trainer so i worked in a gym and then i worked in a yoga studio so again um my physical presence i'm going in um at the up until that point i didn't have a um office job. Then I did have an office job uh, for a couple years, running my father's cleaning company with a hundred staff that reported to me. And basically through doing all sorts of very unusual, you know, sort of different jobs, I realized that I can take on anything. I was, you know, my attitude was bring it on. Clearly, if I just apply myself, um, I can master anything. I can um, do it. But I also had this other, almost like a um, prerequisite, that's the word. You know, growing up, actually, this is something that we say in Greek, like, you can handle anything in life so long as you have your health. You can meet any challenge, right? And so I really believe that. I'm like, ah, I can go from, like, working in a hospital to work in a gym to work in an office to, and But now I don't have that one thing that I need to rely on myself. I can get through anything. I can rely on myself to get through anything, any challenge, so long as I have my physical health. And now I don't have my physical health. So how do I rely on myself? So I entered this job with this kind of an attitude. Now, it was an office job. It was supposed to be an admin job. When I took it on and I thought, I definitely know how to be an admin <sighs> and how hard can that be? How stressful can it be? And that part wasn't that stressful. Mm-hmm. It's that I then got forced into becoming an internal auditor. <laughs> I laugh because, I, yeah,
0: <clears throat> we won't go into the details. of You know what's Wata? interesting? You know what I find is interesting is that phrase internal auditor. I think some of what you do as a coach and just having, you know, spend so much time talking with you. I feel like you actually help other people like see, like put light on what's, what's actually happening internally. I mean, like, I feel like you've done that for me. Like, Oh, but Amy, let me show you, let me shine some light. Ooh, let me shine some light on this part that you're not seeing, you know, like let's really like look at what's really happening And I'm like when you said that I was like Oh, when you said that earlier, I thought that you were talking about what you did for coaching I didn't realize you had to do it for your oh, crappy- a real oh, job, job. <laughs> Oh
1: <laughs> Then again, you know, initially I was like, well, I've done everything else. Give me
0: this hat. I can take it on I can totally see myself doing that same freaking thing Right. I can do yeah. anything if I just work hard enough. <laughs> How yeah. much trouble has that gotten? It, trouble has that actually, you know, when you think it's the solution to everything, like it's, again, it's my body is the one that gave me a halt sign as well when it came to that. So,
1: And as you asked, that was one of the reasons I compromised and yielded to this pressure of becoming an internal auditor. I was like, an, an internal order at least for the, where I was working required travel across the country. The country of Canada is big <laughs> in case you haven't noticed. And it's I, huge. Started, I couldn't travel from my home to the office which was literally um, two kilometers that's like a mile less than a mile right yes. drive back and forth. Now you know <laughs> um, accommodations were going to be made where I would only travel within the province or when I feel I can. But that wasn't, you know, like I said, when you look at the whole reason I took the job was so I can not have any additional problems. But again, I made the compromise because I felt like, well, I can't anger my boss or upset the boss because then I won't have a job. And so I pressured myself to go go further into this, um, combined with the boss's attitude and, and issues so I began to get more and more ill no surprise when you're pressuring yourself to do things uh, with a condition or without but especially with a condition like lupus I started to become more ill and i just I had learned my lesson already i i the way i the day that I had gotten uh, the, uh, the phone call from the doctor that had lupus, um, you know, back in 2012, was the same day that I found out that that big company that I was running from my father and the 16 commercial buildings we were, I was running uh, with the 100 employees, we lost those contracts all on the same day as the day I get the phone call. And I realized, I was like, I just killed myself for a business that no longer exists. Because the year prior, right? I had done this job, I didn't wanna do it, I did not like it, it was so stressful. A year into it, um, I had what I would call a nervous breakdown, I just started crying and couldn't stop Um, because it was just too overwhelming. But I felt I could not. I couldn't leave that job, you know. I was rent- my father was relying on me, I had all these, I wore every single hat, legal, HR, PR, um, okay. janitor supplies, like whatever you want, <laughs> I was doing all of it. And I pressured myself for another year, and then all these symptoms that I was, you know, becoming more and more ill, I was just like, well, I'm stressed out, I'm pressuring myself, I have a vacation, I'll be fine. Right. And then we find out that, that, like I said, we had all of these under one management. So the management says, we're changing vendors, to loo. And then I go home to process this. And I hear the phone call from the doctor saying, uh, Calliope, your blood work looks like, you know, you might have MS or an autoimmune disease. We need to see you. And so I was like, okay. So you're
0: saying that that wasn't a very good day.
1: It was not a good day, and I, I learned my lesson from there. I learned that what I thought, I had thought that I couldn't quit and just leave because ABC. Yes. But it was my, my way. I was like, if I could only go back and quit when I, when I started to cry my head off and be right. like, I can't do this, perhaps this disease wouldn't have shown up, or at least it wouldn't have shown up when it did. I really sincerely believe this. So here I am now almost repeating a similar scenario. I'm in a job that I'm not enjoying where I feel pressured, and where I feel I can't quit. And finally I had that wake up one day. I was like, wait a minute. I'm doing it again. I'm not listening. What do I want next? Do I want cancer? Do I want to just drop dead one day? Right. I need to believe that I can walk away drop everything and be brave like do something and be like you know what i will figure it out i if anyone can figure a way to put food on the table and shelter over my head that's not as toxic and life-sucking as what i was in i was like it's me Mm -hmm. and so i I went in, I'll never forget, I had a smile bigger than this. And I'm like, I'm resigning. <laughs> 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 you know, like, surprise! But, 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 but your, but your health. I know. But, but, you have You're no making other it yours. Yours. <laughs> I'm like, I know. No, I was just like,
0: that was also. Oh, wow. So they said to you, like, the, ex- the stories that you told yes. yourself about why you couldn't, we, yes. they actually brought them up in this
1: yes. conversation have to, have
0: to keep me yeah that's really interesting and you know what
1: I said I said do you see this smile this smile is so big because it's it's telling me it's the right decision if I can sit here and tell you that I want to resign and I feel so good about it it means by all means it's the right thing to do and I'm going to follow that So I'm also proud that I said that, you know, like as a response be like in the moment, I was pretty proud. So.
0: Well, can I just interject really quickly? I just want to tell you that like, I have repeated that pattern as well. And Mm -hmm. I distinctly remember when I realized the pattern that I had been repeating and it was a pattern with jobs. It was a pattern with relationships. It was a pattern of, I mean, when I really looked at it, I was like, oh my God, I'm actually trapping myself over and over and over again. And when I realized it, and I realized I needed to resign from my job, my teaching job, I also had a boss that was toxic, like Mm. super, super toxic. And it wasn't my first rodeo with a toxic boss, but I also could never really comprehend why anybody would go out of their way to tell me that I was doing a shitty job When all I was doing was work, doing the work that they were desiring of me. I was like actually dedicating my life to all of the things they said that they, I needed to do and improve and like all this stuff. And when I decided, I realized I was willing to say, no, I won't do this anymore and walk away as a message to the motherfucking universe that I will not make this mistake again. Like I will not continue this pattern again. At least not on that grand of a scale because I think that now I see where I've also repeated it in like smaller scenarios. So I'm wondering, what do you think about like that kind of pattern? And maybe not that pattern specifically, but when we identify a pattern that we look back and we see, oh, for God's sakes, I've been doing this my whole life. Because we do these things without realizing it. And then one day we wake up and go, I'm so horrified by my, how I've done this and my belief system. What have you, what is your perspective? Because I know you think about this kind of stuff. So I can ask this question, your perspective on deconstructing that and, you know, making a different choice. Because I've thought, oh, it's just these couple of things, but it's almost like I have to check in with almost every decision and say, Am I fully choosing? Am I seeing all the options? Or if I, am I keeping myself open or am I actually closing myself? And I find that when I've been in fear, which in the past year with moving across the country and doing all this stuff, as much as I'd love to say, you know, <laughs> it's been so fucking cool and easy, that would be a fucking bold-faced lie <laughs> as well. Um, so I think that fear can really eliminate our even perception of options. So I'm curious Mm -hmm. as to what you think about that.
1: I think, um, I totally agree with everything that you just said and that, you know, I think a pattern that we have is not broken in one go. That's what I, you know, we weaken it. So when I was a personal trainer, um, basically what I was doing really with people was helping them with behavior change. And so part of what we're looking to do is identify the behavior. That's part of the hard part, which I'll also address. But part of it is, okay, once we see it, how do you, I almost picture it like a, a woven uh, rope or strong, you know, a braid. So you have to unweave it. Mm-hmm. So it's not, you know, if it's really thick, because we've been living with it a lifetime. You're not going to take scissors and be able to cut it in one Damn go. It. I think what, I tried scissors a bunch of times. I think that's what we think we've done, and then we get disappointed. How did I do it? But I think what we do is we we unweave a bit. It's like okay, now I've got to unweave a little less, and we start to weave a new set of habits, a new set of patterns, mm. and uh, so that's that's one part. That's after you've actually are clear on what it is that. You're doing that you want to change and the new behavior. Mm-hmm. Prior to that, which I think is is also what you're talking about, am, am I aware of all of my options? That is what I call based on our life operating system. Mm-hmm. So how we formed, I like to give the uh metaphor of a computer, right? So any computer you have, if you have a Mac, if you have a uh a PC, if you have an older one, the programs it can run depends on the software, right? The operating system software that it has. Mm-hmm. If you're using an older model, there are things you can't do. And it, it only knows to run these programs. It doesn't even know, oh, I could be a Mac. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> right. I could be replaced with it. You know what I'm saying. So yeah. I think, so our operating system, our core beliefs, the way we think that the world works, and our place in it. Mm -hmm. These are the ways, this is our operating system, how we approach life, and it it begins to be formed in early childhood.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You start to see, you might say, ooh, it's a scary world. I better be on my toes. I better be a, a high achiever. I better meet expectations. I better um you know not, just not you
0: disagree. That, that meet expectations phrase, let me just tell you, from from teaching and being evaluated, there's actually different levels of meeting expectations. So every time I hear that phrase, I'm like, uh, uh, uh. So if you see me twitch a little bit, like it's like phraseology like that, like, ooh, especially if there's like bad memories attached. Yes. Yeah. I apologize for interrupting, but I just have to say like, oh, no. like how we, how we proceed, like the word rigorous, the word, the, the phrase meets expectations because I was told that I did not meet expectations a bunch of times. And yeah. you know what happens when you don't meet expectations and you're already working like your ass off? You get more expectations to meet. It's like this really fucked up cycle of, Communicating that oh well if you're not meeting expectations you actually need to do more work that's not true P.S like as a teacher as a person that works with human beings like if you're not meeting expectations like this is kind of a tangential comment is you don't need more to do you actually need more support more acceptance and more love like those are truly things that help people transform not you know, you're not enough, not evaluation, not more micromanagement. Like, so if you as a person, people listening have used, (laughs) have used like, have gotten harder on yourself, have given you more, more rules to follow. If you've been like mad at yourself, felt guilty and shame, like that isn't that really, even though that our brain like wants to say, well, we want to figure it out. So we're going to give more rules the truth is you actually, and I'm learning this continually learning this through my own experiences. You actually need more love. You actually need more support. You actually need more acceptance. And it's through those things, more safety. Yeah. Feelings of safety for transformation to even consider happening.
1: Exactly. I mean, you're actually putting into words, something I was going to say when you hear something like you're not meeting expectations, that's translation for you suck. You're not good enough. The way you are, we don't accept it, right? I mean, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Your life operating system. You learn somewhere that your survival depends on meeting that person's approval, whatever it means. Whether it's your, I mean, obviously, boss, right? Where we work, Um, and we we believe that for friendships or family, like. Why would anybody want me if I'm not an asset to them? That's part of the operating system that I know I developed. And it's hard Mm -hmm. to know that is, that that's something you learned. And so, you know how you're saying, how do you become aware? Mm -hmm. It's to start looking at where did you learn? So when you make a decision, Let's say, and you see, say, well, I don't want, I'm doing this because I don't want to be selfish uh, because selfishness is bad. Okay, how did I learn that? And then you go, you know, look back. And that's how you start to, un, uh, to, be, to identify some of the core beliefs. It's, it's a lifelong, I think, a lifelong endeavor.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But as an example, I... Believed that for most of my life. I was making many of these choices Consciously because I wanted and still want to be a good person like a good person Sacrifices a good person puts themselves last a good person Like if you love your family love has no limit like I should just keep giving of myself because there's no end and so I was like, yes, I'll do this, I'll do this, I'm good, I'm, I'm healthy, here, let me do it for you. Um, and so, then I realized, wait a minute, I learned to be this way. I learned certain core beliefs that selflessness is a good thing,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: that selflessness is a bad thing, that's, that's one thing, that sure. yes. to never disappoint. Otherwise, your survival's at risk. And so, you know, I, one, one example I give is, uh, have I told you about the blood, the blood transfusion? I was like, you know, good people donate blood. I was giving blood transfusions. I was like, hit me up, people. Just take it all. I don't need it. I'm good. Don't worry. I'll figure out a way to survive. Right? So I had never learned that. Um, I was like, oh, you mean i can just i can still be a good person but only give
0: so much so that was a concept i had never had right it's like you're giving with the blood transfusion example it's literally like you're giving away your life you're giving away your energy your life and all of that. And, you know, they make you wait in between blood transfusions. You know, you can't do too many, like, there's rules around it. Uh, oh, you have to rest today and drink orange juice and, and these things. And yeah, if you don't do that, what happens?
1: You know? Well, you know, I realized I was like, oh, love might be infinite, but I'm finite. Right. I can't, you know, so all these things slowly began to be um, my desire to be a good person. What's the definition of a good person? Where did I learn that? Mm-hmm. Right? So that's where um, the operating system, then I started to see, oh, this operating system is time for an upgrade. <laughs> <laughs> right? That's exactly how you change these core beliefs. Yeah. And first, it's just, I call it um, figuring out, you know, why you're stuck why we get stuck repeating the pattern mm-hmm. we need to see what of those systems are <laughs> you know need to be upgraded right and then usually the upgrade part i find means starting to be aware in the moment while we're doing it because these are so automatic mm-hmm. we're not aware we're doing these things right yeah it, me saying yes i'll do it for you and And then 20 minutes later, why did I agree? I don't have time to do that, right? In that moment, I've just been so used to being the helper. Yes. So if I can slowly notice that in the moment, as I'm putting my hand up like this, (laughs) oh, I'm doing it again.
0: Oh. If only our hand would raise every time we were doing an automatic thing. Like that would be really helpful. Like, slow like, arm is so down, like, like I'm
1: doing. Like, you're
0: tired. Oh, help! No! <laughs> like. If only our body would just like raise an arm instead of being like, and now you have lupus or now you have chronic back pain. You know what I mean? Like, come on, there's gotta be another way. Um, but what we've responded, I mean, I responded very, very quickly. My learning in terms of my willingness to be mindful and to look at my patterns, at least when I first started recovering from Chronic back pain. It was like I was on a roller coaster to fix this shit as fast as possible. Like, like my coworker. Like I worked at an acupuncture, uh, a wellness place with a lot of acupuncturists, and I was noticing that they felt different to be around than did the random stranger in the mall or whatever. And I was kind of like, they would talk a little bit differently and there was just a a different way of being. And so I started asking them about it. And they were like, oh, well, we were all trained by these people who just also happened to own the acupuncture (laughs) studio and we're offering classes. And I was like, well, get me into that shit. Stat. And when I started to be able to see things more as an observer, Mm -hmm. stuff started to change quite, Quite quickly um, I got and I feel like that I were on track but all of a sudden off track as well um, so let me kind of get me me back on track and ask <laughs> so after you smiley went in you know you put your right. you know your foot down with a huge smile on your face and you said "Goodness, here's my credit card my
1: badge all of these things here you go my computer, da da da, and I drove off the lot, and I literally—I kid you not—as I'm driving that short little distance between the office and my home, I literally—I was like, the sky is bluer. I never noticed how blue it is. Oh my God! Listen to that! I opened the window. I'm like, birds are chirping. I hadn't heard the birds. I was laughing because I could see. I'm like, this is what they mean. The sky is <laughs> like—you can notice these things. So. What happened after that was I had decided I was going to give myself one year to live off of the, my meager savings that I had that were supposed to, you know, support me when I retired. I knew I would never reach retirement if I kept going. So I was like, now is the time to use this.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: And so I just decided I was going to not have a plan. I was just going to rest. I was going to direct all of my energy into me instead of you know caregiving I love caregiving that's part of the problem like even I, I consciously made the decision that I was going to do that even if I felt like I wanted to care for others for one year I was like just one year Kelly Opie, you can do this mm-hmm. even if you feel guilty I want you to put the energy into you and when I just thought of that I was like oh what I can't accomplish if I just direct all of my time and energy into me. And indeed, it was the best year of my life. (laughs) Like, Well, but here's what happened. I I just would go out and sit in the sun when it was sunny. You know, I, I allowed myself to do all these things that you would think, should you be working? Shouldn't you be earning a paycheck? That's how I eventually, so that year I also discovered life coaching. I enrolled in life coaching training and mind-body coach training. So I ended up becoming very busy. But what I thought, I discovered that coaching, for example, this kind of coaching you can do virtually, either through video with people around the world or on the phone with people around the world. And I was like, you mean... I can have a job though where I'm sick and lying in bed and just telling people, you know, coaching them and get paid. And so here I realized there were other options, there were other possibilities available for me. Of course, I only discovered that after I took the leap and trusted, after I did the brave, scary thing, I jumped off the cliff and be like, I know I'm going to pull the parachute in 10 seconds. i just got to live through the free fall. Right. And that was a huge lesson for me because <clears throat> here's the thing. So because that job is so close and um, where I like to walk through one of the um, rivers in the city and, and, you know, between here and there, almost anywhere you go, you can sort of see... Um, the building. It's it's a big building and has a specific signage. And so here I would be sitting on a work day that I would normally have been there. And I'd be like, life is so beautiful. Oh my God. Look at the little mallard ducks. They're so calm on the water. And you know, (laughs) clouds are drifting by and I'm literally feeling peaceful. And I was like, everything's exactly the same everything my circumstances i still have lupus i still don't have a million bucks in the bank you know i don't have a spouse or boyfriend to support me like all these things that i thought needed to change didn't change and yet my world i was like i can see the building and be like oh my god i was i thought i was trapped in there and yet this existence was available to me all the time and i realized the thing had to do with my perception of the choices I had available. When you think you don't have choices or that you're stuck and trapped, you feel hopeless. You can't see anything. And what we do take as a possible choice is often what we've seen happen before in life. So either we've seen it before, right? From, our experience or we've learned about it right you've read about it you've seen it on tv or something if it doesn't fall in one of those categories we assume there's nothing else out there right.
0: well, and that will and anything else is bad it's like diving into a black abyss of darkness and pain you're doomed right doomed yes doomed. that's what i yes. felt
1: up until that point and then i was like wait a minute now i believe and feel that the possibilities for me are infinite they really are i i look i look at things from a different perspective that's all that changed i'm like i what is it that i can't do if i really set my mind to something i can move and live in tuscany like, really, when you really think about it, I can organize, I can sit out on the street and beg for money and do whatever I want to do or it takes to get to a certain, whatever, end goal. And this realization, I was like, I felt free and I still feel free. This is why I love my life, even though I still have massive challenges. I, But that that before, I really think that can also, <clears throat> feeling that stuck and powerless because your circumstances dictate, you feel that they dictate your destiny, Mm -hmm. can even lead you to suicide, you know what I mean? Like long enough, feeling hopeless enough, you can choose to, you know.
0: You know, I've talked to people, you know, since I've kind of shifted into focusing and being brave and shared more online and, Um, the ups, the downs, the sideways, the zigs, the zags, you know, all of that part of the roller coaster that is life. People have started showing up in my um, Facebook messenger and have shared things with me and, you know, people like we're, we're talking about jobs in this case and people have come to me around relationships and feeling stuck in abuse whether it's like physical or emotional or mental, like all sorts of things. And one woman just said, I'm so excited to to hear, I'm so happy to hear your stories. And it's already, your impact is all of, of, of being in challenge and, and moving through challenge has already helped me so much because she had made all of these changes in her life with her relationships. She's like, and I'm just proud, you know, when I, you know decide to be alive today you know because that's how many changes she's made and how dark and deep where she had been was and like that is a reality for a lot of people and sometimes you don't even see how dark something is because it's all you've ever known you know and it does take taking leaps to do something totally new and believing in yourself that oftentimes even lets you see that you can have a regular life, you know? One that doesn't have drama and trauma and things like that in it. I mean, at one point in my life, drama and trauma was the name of the fucking game. And it was just called life. It wasn't perceived as being anything dark and horrible. It was just how things happened to me, how things happened to the people around me. And, um, Shit, you know what? Like, since I kind of learned this and have like unbraided, you know, my experiences and things, like, my real true goal for life is to be ecstatically ha- happy as often as possible. <laughs> you know? It's
1: absolutely true. And, you know, what, like you said, I think also what can help, what leads to hopelessness is. Proof. So, for example, in my case, I had proof that my life was worsening, that things were going, you know, in a dark way. Every year, my health was markedly, like I had, you know, evidence of, whoa, a year ago I could do this. Now I can't do this. Oh, this year I've lost my hearing. Oh, this year. And so, and nothing was changing. Work was, let's say, getting worse. You know, money wasn't falling from the sky, uh, my, my, my situation was not becoming better. And I thought, but I've been a good person, where's all this good karma? It's got to
0: show up. I definitely had that thought too. <laughs> and I
1: think I would have stayed there for forever, you know what I mean? I realized that that's true. I, I, there is a thing as karma, but you have to act Right? Karma's not gonna fall into your lap. I had to take the leap. Once I took the leap, the universe did conspire to help me. But that took me years to realize, and I'll be honest with you, Amy, I, I did almost kill myself in 2015 because I had lived for several years now with so many things getting worse. Like, just when you thought, okay, things just can't get worse. Yep, my sister jumps at the subway and survives, and becomes amputated. And I'm looking at just when you think things can't get worse, right? That's that's, and then after that, I get forced into internal auditor, and right, all sorts of things kept happening. And I kept thinking, okay, it's got to change, just from a statistical point of view. Right, right, right. It's work working my way, and I kept getting proof of the opposite. The opposite, <laughs> finally. This might sound a little bit funny. It's not What broke the camel's back for me was getting fleas. You got fleas <laughs> that were biting me, like my
0: dog. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's, it's comical
1: and not comical.
0: They it's just awful, mine. and like, how
1: does that even
0: happen? Oh, I don't well, even, I even know.
1: Dog. I have a dog. The flea jumped onto the dog's back dog came home and (laughs) (laughs) jumped on you well what happened no the dog sleeps on my bed oh my dog sleeps on my bed too the
0: mattress (gasps) now
1: for some reason i got an inkling of something i was like "Mm, maybe i should put i put this the flea uh whatever medication you can put on the dog's collar Mm -hmm. so instantly my dog no doesn't get any symptoms So I protected the dog, but I didn't realize that this is, so weeks later, my shins are red with spots. I'm like, oh, that's kind of odd. It's disgusting. (laughs) So, Right. So it took me, I started to have three problems. I can't remember. It took me over two months to get rid of these. So it was, yeah. So now imagine having lupus. You have to, like, get rid of, you have to boil and clean and, and, yes. and sterilize everything. So I did that over and over and over again. And a month later, I'm still doing this. I was exhausted. I, finally, I even tossed out my couch, my sofa, and my curtains, and I had nothing that these things could live on. And I still had them. And that, you know it wasn't the flea thing it was that I finally got the it's I don't know I got an exterminator to come in and I call the exterminator and I say please come through the back don't come through the front of this apartment building <laughs> <laughs> and please oh yeah 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 it's an unmarked car we know what we're doing like call me before five minutes I'll show we you. gotta sneak I'm you coming. in of course I get a phone call and it's like uh, your uh, management is not letting me come in the building. And I'm like, what? I go down and if, from far away, I can see blue gloves, sprayer in hand, and the big kid in the main lobby where, where <laughs> property management has the office, and my super is stopping in. And everybody starts to look, you're like, what's the meaning of this? And I was like, I, I was just like,
0: uh yeah, yeah. Right. He didn't <laughs> like, wear the disguise like he was supposed to. Uh, remember, follow direction.
1: With us. But anyway, so
0: this. God. So. Oh.
1: Yeah. Okay. So i That was a rough day. The flea thing worked. So I leave. And what happened was, this is what really I think did it for me. My father was visiting my sister, in Texas. And uh, I had said to them this is what's happening. I'm getting the flea guys coming in to exterminate today. Should be the end of my stories. And I was expecting for them to check up on me and just say, hey, how'd it go? And I never got that. What I did eventually get was a voicemail from my father saying, I just realized something. Don't you dare go to my house and stay there while the exterminator's there. Because I had, the last thing I need are fleas. So that was what he said. And he left the same kind of message, I think a day later. Like there was no, how are you Calliope, none of this. And then that was the only voicemails I got from them. And that was, uh, I don't know what it sounds like, but for me, that was my breaking point. I was like. You would know
0: a place to go, like. The well, p- they didn't care I'm Like, they, they don't care at all. It's like, like my, my own. Care. My hell has gotten worse. My hell, which is my life, keeps getting fucking worse. And they're fucking worried about their own shit. Well, yeah, yeah. it was this
1: disconnect, disregard. I was shocked at the the response. And then I decided when my dad came back, I was like, I'm just going to say, dad, you know, it really hurt me. My feelings went that you, Mm -hmm. this is how you responded. Why didn't you just say, why didn't you just ask how are you, or how did it go? He goes, why would I want to ask that? You're dealing with fleas, I know how that is, that's bad. It's not gonna be good. And I was like, well, why ask anyone anything? Why, why ever talk to anyone? That right, say, I wonder how we even communicate in the first place. Hmm. Now, I will say this, my father has changed since that time, and I tell him this story, he's like, I reacted like that? I'm like, you reacted like that? You're like, yup that conversation on the phone when he was like, you know, this, this not caring, right? Just almost acting like I'm the crazy one. I hung up and I was like, whoa, I have nobody. Like my own family really has no clue the level, like they're never coming to my, my not savior, but like I kept thinking that at some point they would come through for me, right? Because I had been there for my family so much. And then I realized, wait a minute. The year prior, when my sister jumped at the subway, my father was still visiting that other sister. Neither of them came. Neither of them flew in. My father finished his vacation and my sister lived there. And I was like, if they don't show up for life and death, of the other sibling. Why am I thinking they're gonna show up for a lupus fleas? And, Shitty you know. That. But that took me like a year and a half yeah. for that reality to sink in, core belief. That's another core belief where I was like, when the going gets tough, they'll be there. And I was like, but the proof has shown there's zero reciprocity. Right. And But that, that took me to a point of complete hopelessness and I fought for two days to not kill myself because I felt, I was like, I, I mean, now imagine, so my place is absolutely bereft of furniture, right? I had the table and I've gotten rid of everything. I need to get this place like I don't have physical energy to make it to work. How am I gonna go buy curtains and right. fit,
0: find money there to buy? things oh. to do. To make your place better now that you're on the other side of that.
1: Yeah, I was like, well, I've got a chair I can sit. You'd be surprised how you need a couch to sit. <laughs> it's not comfy sitting there. <laughs> how important couches are. Oh my yeah,
0: God. no, I totally understand because I have, to my name, I have, like, clothes and I have, like, a queen-size air mattress. I've, I've been lucky enough to live, I'm currently living in a place that's furnished, but, like, if it wasn't, <laughs> I would just have a queen-size air mattress. I totally understand what it's like to be in a place and be like, so I guess I need some things, and I have no idea how those things are going to show up. Yeah, and it was just this... I was like
1: well i know i know when one is suicidal they're not thinking clearly right like they can't see and i was like i could see that i was like i know that for me to feel this bad means i'm not clear but i I was like but i do know that my life's not going to change tomorrow that was the thing i was like my life's not going to change tomorrow and it's not changing in five days i don't want to live With this much doom and gloom and depression and just hopelessness Mm -hmm. until, you know, maybe a few years from now my life will be different. Yes, it makes sense, but I I don't want to do that. And so this is where it was this belief that there was nothing that could change my life. And so I did hit that point and I understand what that is like. You you literally don't see any light. Mm-hmm. You know, four months later <clears throat> I was on a trip in Italy and France cycling, <laughs> sipping wine. And so I had wow. decided to so who would you know that was my point where I was like Literally to the day, four months later, I was, I was like, if you had told me my life could take such a radical, drastic turn in such a short time, I would say, it's impossible. What are you talking about? You, this cannot happen. And yet I, I lived it. I was like, Calliope, you have to remember this. You have to remember that no matter what you think is possible, no matter what you think it's not true. You know, you can only see so far, and you've got to trust that you have the power to see see through anything or just, you know, hang in there. Things will change. So I don't know. I, I have changed completely since that that point in time. Yeah. I, see,
0: I have we have time for about two more questions. And mm-hmm. I was going to ask, so in making this radical change, which is really like radical on so many levels because, you know, we're attached to jobs and giving yourself this year, how, how did that giving yourself this year impact your life since after that year? Mm
1: -hmm. And then
0: my other question is just to, so that you have it in your mind is through all of these experiences that you've had of being brave, because you've been brave and brave and brave and brave in lots of different ways, what would be one thing that you wish you could, like everybody could know based upon your experiences that you could just share with them so that they would know? What would be your message? Do you want me to answer that one? Ask, answer that one second. The first one, how did that, taking that radical year of self-amazingness, self-care, self-focus, self, self all about you. Mm -hmm. How did that, after that year was over, how did that ripple into the rest of your life and changing your operating system? Because to me, it feels like it was a year of changing your operating system. Mm -hmm. Well, here's the thing. You know how we were saying that
1: you can't really cut the rope uh, all at once? That's what's continued to happen. So, let's say the suicide event was 2015 May in September. I decided to go on a trip. It's one of my pivotal points where I see things differently. Then I come back, I wasn't able to quit. So I still, I I saw part of, you know, I upgraded part of my system. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: But then taking the quitting thing was another brave step, was another thing that I needed to do. And, That opened up a whole other set of possibilities. So I did the personal, sorry, the life coach training, the mind-body coach training, and that opened up a whole avenue of things. But it hasn't necessarily been a smooth, um, like you're saying, right? You take the brave leap, but there are continual challenges. What does end up happening is now you have proof that no matter what it is, looks like, you can still figure out a way that's true to you, that feels free, that doesn't feel trapped and stuck, and um, life-sucking, like it's life-affirming. This is a choice that I'm making, and it makes any how bearable. The why, my why. And so since then, I have needed to go back and be like, remember this, Cal? Remember you learned this? Remember, this is what you learned from working for your father is what you learned from quitting your job from that trip. I've needed to go back and remind myself of these things. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And in the moment where I'm still challenged, where something new comes up to be like, no, I'm not gonna fall back. I have upgraded the system. And I will choose. I will consciously choose against the fear that does rise up because we're human. Right. And it, right? So, so if I could say one thing to everyone uh, on how to look at things based on my experience, I would, say, I would say two things. One, make a list of all of your personal triumphs. Mm. Every single human being who's listening or watching or whatever, You have lived, if you've lived long enough to to understand what I'm saying, you have gone through trials and tribulations. Everyone has, not just a story, stories. Mm -hmm. And what what happens is we forget how brave we've been or how powerful, how strong. You got to have something that reminds you of all of the things you've done, how different they are. What's something that you did that you're, after the fact, you're like, whoa, I never thought I would be able to deal with that or handle that had it not happened. I didn't know I was strong enough. So those stories, they need to be um, somewhere where we just keep adding to them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And the second thing is, I like to see say, see yourself or oneself or myself, because I was a cell biologist in my first, you know. <laughs> job and training one cell in your body is like a little miracle factory it really is it's amazing like everything goes on and there's like it's like a little factory with things coming in intake outtake processing you know toxic waste out it's incredible all the things that go on in this one little cell that you can't even see without you know a microscope it's a little powerhouse So imagine multiplying that by 37 trillion. That's just like a little packet of energy that you don't need to do anything with, right? Unbeknownst to you, every cell in your body is doing its thing. Not just that, but they're like a symphony. All the cells in your body are coordinating and talking to each other to help you function, you are 37 million, I forget if it's 37 or 87, but I'll go with a smaller number of the number of cells in a human body. You are pure energy. Like it's, if you could see it as a a field, a mass of energy that you can direct in any way you want. So you might think that I have kids, I have a mortgage, I can't take a year off like Calliope. That's not what's the answer for you. That's what the answer was for me. But you choose every moment of every day, you direct that energy. You could just sit in bed and rot. You could, you know, (laughs) sell everything and get in your car and start driving with your kids in the back. Like I'm making these extreme uh, examples just to say, if you could picture yourself as a massive, massive amount of power and energy that you can do anything with, that's how you want to think of taking your next move because that's what, what we really are. And the power resides, like if you're, even if you're sick, like I was, you don't need, yes, the health will limit you, me, for example, but so long as you have breath, as long as you're alive, and you are this conglomerate of cells, this amazing, unique existence, that is energy at your, at your, what's the word? Disposal? Disposal, exactly. <laughs> I was going to say proposal. At We're your a team. Disposal, I got you. Whatever you want. So that's yeah, like you really are, when they say you are powerful beyond measure, I like to give that vision, I picture that, and I'm like, yep, even if you're trapped in your body, like Stephen Hawking's, Mm -hmm. that's how I was like, if he can figure out a way to communicate with the world, I should be able to find a job, I should be able to figure out a way to support a lupus person, so yeah, that's, that's my two cents, that's probably like, 22 cents or whatever.
0: (laughs) That's amazing. Your cents are amazing. I appreciate both of your, both of your points, both of your messages and all of the messages that you've been sharing throughout this entire conversation. So for anybody that's listening that feels like, wow, like this powerhouse calliope is just someone that i want to know more about somebody that i might want to work with you know i need myself some more of that um how can first of all if you're feeling that way that's your intuition kicking your little booty in the direction of who a person that could possibly be your next coach. That could be the next person, you know, you read something she writes and it changes your life. You know, these things happen for a reason. These feelings, these nudges, these, you know, feelings of attraction that we feel are messages to us to take a small action or maybe even a big action in the direction of our dreams. So All that said, if people would like to, you know, know more about you, would like to see what you have to offer and what it's like to possibly work with you, where can they reach you on the the lovely interwebs? Well, I have a website, Caliopnikita.com,
1: but you'll obviously need to spell that for people. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I'll leave you do that in editing or something.
0: Sure, absolutely. We're gonna put all of your information and associate it with the podcast. So yeah. you can just talk about it and we'll, we'll I'm just we'll put it all I've, together.
1: I've created an online school, Calliope's online school, where I'm putting out little, you know, uh, programs that you can um, sign up for and you know, from overwhelm to awe. That's the theme. And I also have a Facebook page and I just, if you want to be in my orbit, I would love to have you because I'm just all about seeing if I can say or help others um, with things that I wish I had known or had heard or had a hand. So if that speaks to you, then yeah, reach out. And I don't do any coaching anymore one-on-one or even the group stuff. Um, But you know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm creating, you know, Calliope world on this, uh, through my, on my website, you'll find out what I'm up to. And also my, you'll find my online school and links to get there. And I also have actually, I don't know if you, yeah, my, my little intercom 101 is my little free mini course. you probably like that. If you liked anything you heard here, you probably like that. That's awesome.
0: Awesome. Videos. Calliope has her own school, everybody. So check out her website and check out her school, and I know that you'll be able to find something that that fits where you are and the things that you want to learn. So I'm going to wrap it up by saying thank you, thank you, thank you so much for honoring me with your presence on this being brave podcast. I just love all the conversations that we have. And just so everyone knows she and I could talk for hours and hours and hours and <laughs> <ended> it <laughs> back. <to the> <laughs> so, um, I want to leave you with this. Um, I, I think that I, I try to end each podcast with a question, you know, what, being brave step have you been inspired to take today by our conversation but instead I want to change that a little bit and I want to take to piggyback a little bit on what Calliope said can you start your list of triumphs today can you open up a notebook and just put you know my lifetimes triumphs whatever you want to call it and just start with the first one today because you might be in a place where you're like well I don't know, I don't think I have any. Really just taking the time and focusing and just deciding, I have triumphs and I'm gonna start my list with one. I really challenge you to do I'm breathing today, today is, is the first
1: one. I'm here alive and breathing, I've lived this long through all of it. That's, if you can't think of any, put that one down, please. (laughs) I love that.
0: I love that. I got to open my eyes today and start a new day. Absolutely. So, you know, I'm excited to find out like what different kinds of triumphs you're putting on your list. If you could, you know, exceed a handful and you surprised yourself, by what you put on like something came to you that you didn't realize like it didn't it didn't you said okay i'll try this and you start and you think i'm breathing you know i woke up you know i have an amazing dog Mm -hmm. and then something comes to you that you didn't foresee Mm -hmm. coming to you i would really love to know what you uncovered about yourself today so until next time. Thank you so much for being here, Calliope. Thank you so no, much. Thank you, Amy. I'm so
1: honored and um, delighted that A, you're my friend, and B, that you
0: asked me to be on here. I'm Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much. You're an awesome hostess. Thank you. And for those of you listening, just a reminder, I see you, I believe in you, and I love you. And until next time start that triumph list. All right. Bye guys.